What's good, everybody? How y'all doing out there? It's your boy in my sizzle. Appreciate y'all coming out today. Uh, not gonna take up too much of your time. I want some. I had some things on my mind. Uh, if y'all were here for the last stream, um, y'all know we talked about uh, objective truths. You know, um, how do you know that what you think is right? Right. Uh, basically, the idea that you and the way you look at the world is right when you put it up against other people. How do you decide uh, that what you think about is the correct way to think, right? Uh, so today we're going to build a little bit upon that, right? And I think what I want to do, maybe I'm going to start doing this. Uh, let me go ahead and transition in. Uh, what I want to do, uh, welcome to Mike on the Mic for the record. Uh, what I want to do is start, uh, I want to create a, a conversation. Um, I want to give people the idea, uh, the ideas that will start to spark their brain and really get them to thinking on deeper levels. I was watching a documentary last night um, and was talking about the Myers-Briggs test. Uh, how many of you all are familiar with Myers-Briggs? Uh, it's a personality test. You might see a lot of people saying they're like INTJ or INF, INFPG. You know, it's a four-letter concept. Um, it's developed by two women. Uh, I forgot exactly what the purpose was, but it's something that a lot of schools use, a lot of jobs use for placement. And... It's not nothing new. It's been around for ages, ages upon ages. The thing about it is, it became like a phenomenon where almost everybody, you know, is some kind of way connected to it. Like they, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people. If you go on Twitter, you might go on Facebook, uh, various social media platforms. You go to dating sites. Um, you'll see a lot of people that may have, like I'm a ENJT, e ENJF, right? I might be an ENJF, extroverted. Um, I forgot what everything was exactly, but you know, you got your various personality types, and it's supposed to give you an idea of what kind of person you are. Um, and one of the things I thought about was. You know, I never took one. Of these. I, I've taken one of these things probably at some point in time. But it was funny to me how something that was kind of used for placement, people kind of take pride in it, right? They kind of took pride in it. It was kind of like a boom-bust cycle. Like everybody knew this about themselves. It was on their, a lot of their profiles. You know, a lot of them were talking about it all at one point in time, really happy to represent whatever it was they are. Um, which is cool, but it got me to thinking. And what I really started thinking about was the idea that how did it get here? You know, how did we get to a point where things seem to be uh, almost a hive mind situation, right? Well, we're going to talk about some of that stuff today, right? Are we getting dumber? 
And what led me to believe this was, you know, as I start to think and think and think, I start applying things as life start going on. Uh, I mean, as I've seen life go on, you know, uh, technology has definitely done wonderful things for us. Uh, a lot of advancements. Uh, but what I've noticed is that the advancements, um, they kind of have, they're not where they should be, provided the technology we're given to give you a great example, you have a calculator. Right? Calculator, great tool, very useful. Will help you, the, the idea of the calculator is to help you compute information faster. So let's say I give you 100 times 10. Rather than have to work out on a sheet of paper, write down all this information, carry your zeros, you know, move your decimals points over. Like, rather than have to do that, I can get a calculator and just type it in and I can get the answer really quickly. And that's making me more efficient, right? It makes me more efficient because now I can do 20 multiplication problems in the time it probably took me to do maybe, you know, maybe three, four multiplication problems of the same type, right? Provided it was slightly more complicated than multiple of 10. Well, one of the things, uh, sorry if y'all heard that, let me uh, switch off over here in Discord. I think everybody can, uh, I can hear people over there. Uh, but one of the things that really showed up is that instead of people getting better at math, due to the fact that we have calculators, what ended up happening was people kind of got worse. Like the people that excelled, excelled far beyond what they probably ever would have excelled. But the people who used the calculator as a crutch they often became people that when you took the calculator away, they didn't understand how to do it. They didn't use the calculator for what it was used, what it could be useful. Instead, they created a dependency. To give you a better example, or to make it more clear to you, imagine if I put two times 25 on a piece of paper. Well, if you know how to do math, if you know how to do multiplication, you can work that out, right? But let's say I gave you a sheet with 10 problems that just were easy multiplication problems. Same thing, right? 25 times 2, uh, 100 times 6. You know, something very simple. And then I threw in something like 35 times 3 times 12, right? If I gave you a calculator, all you would really be doing it's just typing in numbers into a product, into a calculating machine, and then the calculating machine is spitting the answer up, and you're writing the answer down. If I tell you, listen, if I give you this number, and you press this um, correlating symbol, and then enter this other number, and hit this equal sign, 
it's going to give you the possible the answer that you desire well anybody could do that right i mean little kids know how to use calculators almost instantaneously right but what's happening is that person is not learning math what that person is doing is simply taking information and really copying and pasting it into another format getting an answer from that format and then copying pasting that answer into the answer log so a tool that was used to make you smarter make you more efficient unfortunately when used incorrectly does the opposite actually quite it decreases your abilities well one of the things that I've noticed around society is that I see this all the time and we're going to talk about it today uh, but I wouldn't look this up you know I looked into it because I was wondering I was like well what is it really going to be like if I look this up it, like did people really get dumber like that really can't be the case people couldn't have gotten more dumb with all this technology right well the thing is this people actually have gotten smarter now that seems like it should be you know common sense like Mike of course people got smarter I mean look at what we have access to but let's get into it right let's look at it we're gonna look at something called the Flint effect, right? Let's take a look at that right quick. Uh, go into studio mode. Oh, this chunk always doing something stupid. All right, hold on. Here we go. Okay. All right. So we're going to look at intelligence, right? We're going to take a look over here at what is called the Flynn effect. And the Flynn effect basically states that it describes the phenomenon that over time, the average IQ score have been increasing. The change in IQ scores have been approximately three IQ points per decade. One major implication of this trend is that the average individual alive today would have an IQ of 130 by the standards of a 1910 person, right? Placing them higher than 98% of the population at that time. Equivalently, an individual alive in 1910 would have an IQ of 70 by today's standards. Now, what does that mean? What is that really saying to us, right? Are they saying that people were just idiots back in the day? No, it wasn't that people were idiots. What they're measuring is if you took someone from that time period based upon their knowledge of the world, based upon what they had access to, their IQ, their ability to solve issues and solve problems would be much lower on average than what we have when you think about all the access to technology that we have all the things you know you have to think about a lot of times uh, people weren't even graduating 
college people were dropping out of school like like people weren't even in school some people weren't even in school in those times then other people were like taking care of families at like 14 15 17 years old they already married with children whereas at 17 years old outside of people who just don't who fall through the cracks most people are still in school their education is still going they're still expanding their ability to problem solve their IQ is constantly uh, over time the collective IQ is starting to expand higher and higher right but that's only proportionately to those things on individual levels people are still kind of relatively the same so this then leads us to wonder well how does that really work you know how, how does that work when you really really kind of look at it let's check out these charts uh, from that same I don't know it's junk there we go let me get it back up there all right sorry about that y'all let's look at these chats so globally it seems that we may have pulled this up right quick you see globally from 1940 to about the year 1990 maybe uh, globally we have gone up about 20 points uh, when it comes to the gains of intelligence right um, if we would take a look up here it says shown is the gain in mean full-scale IQ for world regions changes are relative to the first year for which data is available for a particular region right so obviously they didn't have it globally until like 1940 that's when the first time they were able to get it globally and see what really factored across the world and across the world the the IQ have went from roughly where they were to a plus 20 maybe 21 point increase right you look over here in America from 1910 to 1920 almost nothing like uh, there almost was nothing that happened right that's a whole decade you barely saw anything happen right but look from like 1920 to 1940 how big of a jump that is right like in 10 years nothing happened but in 20 years this junk 10 points extra you know you're looking at another three years i mean uh roughly maybe like another five years you see about a two and a half point jump you know you're damn near 15 points higher than you were back in 1920 what did you realize that happened along the way a lot of technological advances start occurring right so as these technological advances were occurring what ended up happening was people start becoming smarter and smarter right something happened over here in 1940 when they finally decided to talk to people in Asia these motherfuckers went from you know the the average level jumped it skyrocketed almost to 30 in them 20 years like in 40 years or probably like 35 years this junk was almost as high as it took America to get in 80 years. Almost there. Maybe, let's see, from 1920 to somewhere around here. We'll say about right here. So maybe in about 60 years, the Asian 
countries were able to sprout very high up, right? Uh, you look at European countries, kind of similar, a little bit in between Asia and America, kind of a steady incline of intelligence over time. Uh, Africa, you know, they didn't start taking it until the 1960s. And then, you know, it started to incline at least around the 2000s. What's funny is a lot of this you can tell, right? And I didn't do the far studies deep into it, but something that I noticed is that where technology was introduced, you could very well see how it affected the people's overall intelligence quotient, right? Their overall ability to be able to solve problems in intricate ways. Here in Africa, you know, a lot of this had not had the same type of technologies that were applied to other places, not during these times, right? But you see, once that once you start getting this technology kind of really spread in a larger fashion, you see that it kind of shows that most people, there's like a immediate burst, you know, of some sort. And then you see that it starts to have a little steady incline. And we haven't really seen anywhere where anybody fell off. So then that goes back to the question that we're talking about. Like, Mike, well, if you have this information, I mean, how can you ask the question? Are we getting dumber? Well, I mean, people are having higher intelligence quotients overall. But when I ask this question, it's from a practical sense, right? Because what we just devised from what we read was basically, yeah, we're getting smarter because we have more things around us, right? So obviously our ability to solve problems is getting made easier due to the fact that we have technology that, you know, pretty much cut out the middleman of a lot of stuff that we didn't have to deal with before. So yes, our IQs are getting higher, but does that really make us smarter, right? Well, one of the things I've learned uh, that I've seen a lot of the times is that we seem to have what I would call, and maybe all of you have heard, a hive mind effect happening amongst people. You know, our technology has seemingly made people start to regress in their abilities. To give you a great example, when I was younger, you know, I'm an old guy. I don't look like it, you know. Don't bring your girl around me. She might get stole. But nonetheless, I'm an older guy, you know, middle-aged guy. I can remember when I was younger, I had to remember people's phone numbers, like by heart. You would write it down, but you kind of had to remember. You had to remember how to get places. You had to understand how to navigate around. Uh, if you'd never been any place, you had to know how to actually read a map. You had to know what directions were what. Uh, you had to, like I said, remember phone numbers. Well, with technology, now I got a cell phone. I don't know nobody's phone number. I, to tell you, I don't even know my girlfriend's phone number. I don't know my mama's phone number. I know my phone number, it's because it's easy. But I lose my damn cell phone. I'm gonna be 
scrapping around. I don't know what the hell. I don't know who the hell I'm going to contact. Right? I'm going to have to call the police because 911 ain't hard to remember. I bet a lot of you are like that. A lot of people are like that. A lot of people can't get from one side of Atlanta to the other side of Atlanta without getting lost unless they got navigation. A lot of people, they get phone numbers and it's like, bro, I don't remember your phone number, dog. I have no idea what your phone number start. My phone number is very simple and people don't remember my phone number. I think that's due to what we talked about earlier with the calculator. The tools that we're giving, the technology that we're given, my theory on it is people have become a custom to not having to do, right? Uh, Gib Schiff brings up a good point. He says, the convenience of technology upgrading at a rapid pace. The automation does this, exactly. That is one of the things that a lot of people growing up in this world, they've never done, they've never had to live without it. So that begs the difference, that begs the question to me, like, well, is it making people more inequipped to live on their own, like to be independent? And when we talk about independence, the opposite of independence is having hive mentalities, uh, a group think, right? Let's look at hive mind. We're going to check it out right quick because this is something that pulled up hive mind. A notional entity consisting, consisting of a large number of people who share their knowledge or opinions with one another regarded as producing either uncritical conformity or collective intelligence. Now, what does that sound like to you? What does that sound like that could be, right? Does that sound like something that describes a very popular thing that we all use? I'm going to read it again. It says, this part was very, very, very important. It is a large number of people who share their knowledge or opinions with one another regarded as producing either uncritical conformity or collective intelligence, right? When I heard this, the first thing I thought about was, hmm, what really exists like that? Ah, the internet, right? The internet. And I said to myself, you know, the internet is essentially a hive mind right now hive minds normally are things like bees various insects they normally have what is called a hive mind right uh but how does this apply to us humans because obviously we don't roll around like insects right do we have the ability to have a hive mind well here's the thing in essence, despite our feeling that we are singular, unified agents, we're more like hive minds onto ourselves. Our brains are buzzed with multiple, often conflicting plans and interests that must be managed. 
So what way do we deal with this? We know our brain is already set up to compartmentalize things or to categorize things, to make things easier for us to deal with, right? But how are we affected by the idea of a, a hive mind? Well, when we look at something like the internet, we have to think about it as us being online, where we're essentially linked to a vast hive mind. The internet is made up of a central intelligence of a whole bunch of people's intelligence all in the same place, right? Whether that be good or bad, it is a place where people pretty much all share thoughts, right? Whether that is a YouTube video showing you how to, you know, buff your car, how to get a dent out your car, or whether that's somebody who looked at something and said, hey, look, there's definitely a, uh, we talked about it last time, like flat earth is a real thing, bro. You know, look, check this out. I picked up this information and this is what I'm thinking and I put this on the internet. All of these things are in one concentrated area being used as a collective hive mind by de definition, right? When you think about a hive mind, it's known in psychology as a transactive memory system, right? It allows us to access collective knowledge for anyone and everyone. If that doesn't describe what the internet is to a T, I mean, I don't know what else is, right? We got Slimcat. Slimcat said, we're absolutely getting dumber. Technology solves problems for us. We then exercise, stimulate our brain less. And that's what we were talking about earlier. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is the hive mind and how it, how does it work, right? Because there's another form of hive mind that you may hear of. And when we think about this, this is how it is done in something like social media, right? Uh, when you see it in social media, it's not necessarily the same as what the internet's hive mind is, right? The internet's hive mind is more utilitarian, right? It's more or less, if you had all the things you could think of on your brain and you could just put them on a piece of paper and then other people could take everything that they had in their brain and they could staple that piece of paper on your piece of paper and then the next person did it and the next person did it and everybody took their brain and they stapled it together and they made a big ass book. That's kind of what the internet is. That's a hive mind when you think about it from the perspective of utilitarianism, right? How, how it is actually used. But what about the social implications of a hive mind, right? What does that look like, right? Well, normally that kind of comes in a form of mind control, right? Brainwashing almost. So let's talk about that, right? What exactly do I mean by brainwashing, right? And how do we fight against this? Because at the end of the day, when you really think about it, appreciate that host, uh, when you really think about it, being able to, how, how are you able to fight such a overwhelming 
source, right? How do you go against something like the internet? How do you do? Are you do you even are you even supposed to go against the internet, right? That's what's funny. We have something a particular portion of the internet, aka social media. Shout out to A1 Digital, where you get to see the social implications of a hive mind being used and at play all at one time, right? How this looks is basically people, a, a guy named Philip Zimbardo, right? He defined mind control as the process by which an individual or collective freedom of choice and action is compromised by agents or agencies that modify or distort perception, motivation, affect, cognition, or behavioral outcomes. He also suggested that any human being is susceptible to such a manipulation, right? So are we being mind controlled, right? Well, a great place, right? A great place to see this in action, skip shit breaks out, is Twitter, right? Twitter is one of the shining examples of what mind control looks like. Whether it's malicious or not malicious, right? So how does this work? If you look at like a tweet, a general tweet, um, let's say a great example is, uh, and this is actually very fitting, the Beehive, right? Where basically Beyonce, prominent singer, you know, um, she is, you know, an attractive woman, very talented woman. But she's just a singer, right? She's just a singer. She's nothing special outside of, you know, her talents. Well, she has a group of people that follow her. They are called the Beehive, right? Let's look at what this is, right? Let's look up the actual definition of the Beehive, right? What is Beyonce's Beehive? She is the leader of the Bay or Beehive. Uh, they call Beyonce Queen Bee, right? Her most adherent, uh, ardent fans are known as the Beehive. She is revealed in the news in the British Vogue's December issue saying, I know it's random, but I have two Beehives. Real ones. I've had them at my house for a while now. So I'm assuming she's talking about she's got some actual beehives in her crib, right? But I brought that up just to put this into perspective. They're basically a, a group of super fans, right? When these people get on to your ass on Twitter, if you were to get on Twitter right now and you type something and you were like, Beyonce is not a better singer than Natalie Cole, right? Now, that's subjective, you know, but if you were to type that and you had enough reach and you typed out Beyonce is not better than Natalie Cole. In fact, Beyonce is not even better than, I don't know, let's say, I don't know, she might not even be better than Kelly Rowland, right? Do you know that within a matter of seconds, maybe minutes, maybe minutes, a matter of minutes, 
you will have 20, 30, 40, 100 people quote tweeting you. This motherfucker is a fucking idiot. Queen B, nothing stops Queen Bay. 